Don't forget the bait. I got the rods. Welcome, Welcome to, to Everything, everything angling, angling, where we cover everything, everything angling. angling. I'm Justin. And I'm Tosh. Welcome back. I'm Justin. And I'm Tosh. And today we're going to talk about ice fishing, specifically getting into ice fishing, pan fishing for ice, uh, through the ice, ice fishing for pan fish. Uh, say the same words six times over. Ice fishing, pan fish, pan ice, ice, <laughs> ice pan fish. Uh, but no, I, we were talking off air that pan fish are definitely the, the start of all of this stuff. So when you first getting into ice fishing, you might as well start with pan fish. Pan fish is like where everybody gets into fishing mm-hmm. in general. I mean, I think everybody's first fish was a bluegill or maybe a chub if you're fishing a river system. Yeah. But they're always little fish, red and white bobber, split shot hook. A hundred percent. Cause it's just, it's fun. It's easy. It's addictive. I mean, not everybody could, it's like, I'm, I'll go up and we'll talk about it later, but I'll go up and uh, tip up fish for burbot and stuff like that. And we'll be up for four or five days and maybe only have two hours of actual fishing. Yeah. And, but I'm fine with it. But if you start to start doing that, that sucks. Yeah. No, panfish definitely give you the ability to catch, catch, catch mm-hmm. again, keep catching. And in half an hour, you can catch 10, 15 fish. That'll keep any kid in the Exactly. Door. Anybody. An adult, kid, it don't matter. Yeah. You I just... get stuck pan fishing and bait fishing more than I'll catch. go out and catch flatheads sometime. I got to realize, I've been bait fishing for four hours. I got 100 pieces of bait. It's That's time to go right. chase We're the real right. fish. <laughs> We're right there with you. We used to, like, there's a bunch of little creeks and stuff around here. Uh, Hog Creek and stuff. We'd catch uh, the northern sunfish, which are a bait fish here in Ohio. Uh, you got to be able to ID them. I was a fishery biologist for a while, so it's a little easier for me than most. Yep. But uh, it's just fun. It's we you just sit there with a wax worm and catch a chub and catch those guys. But you have some stuff you're going to shout out first, so let's get that off the rip. Well, yeah, I definitely. Um, I want to shout out the program here that uh, me and a couple of my friends, Sasquatch and uh, Jeffrey Eber and Norman and Mike, all of them, we brought back uh, Junior Anglers of Ohio. Um, it is a introduction to fishing, fishing experience, um, just foundation, youth foundation per se, that we have up at Indian Lake. Uh, we get these kids together once a month, once every two months, and we spend as much time as we can out on Indian Lake fishing, teaching them how to fish. And uh, we actually did an ice fishing seminar about a month ago where uh, we had Justin come out because he's the veteran of ice fishing here. Uh, yeah. Of ice fishing. I've been going since I was uh, 16, 15, 16. I'm 20. I'm almost 28 now. So it's been a while. But we started in Indian Lake, but in Michigan. We, you know, we've had a family cabin up there. So I had a more of an opportunity to go consistently because Ohio is not known for any more instance in my lifetime for consistent ice fishing. But when grandpa was young, you know, they were all driving trucks out on Lake Erie, driving trucks local out on yeah. the ice. It just don't, it don't happen like that anymore. No, our winners don't. Our winners don't get the way they used to be. No, they 100% don't. It's Yeah, the earth is changing. Yep, it's always changing. It's just we're, yeah, you know, if you want to get into global warming is a whole hot button thing. It's not warming. It's global climate change, but it's a natural part of its natural process. The earth gets hot, gets cold, gets hot, gets cold. I mean, how many ice ages have we had? A lot. So it's, not, it's two, nothing new. Yeah, we've had two the last 200,000 years. The only new thing about it is the, the media it gets. Yeah. But like when grandpa was a kid, they would tell us about where they go down to Tennessee and ice fish. 
On, on the Pigeon River. Oh, wow. Yeah. You don't hear about that no more. You imagine going down to Gatlinburg? And if you go, uh, what's the, in Pigeon Forge, one of the really famous pancake houses, the on the mill that has right in the Little Pigeon River. Never been there. Uh, it's great. It's But they have a mural of the of people ice fishing the river behind them. Nice. And yeah, it's been a long time since yeah, that's happened. It's been happened. a long time. But yeah, and then so for that ice fishing event, we did an ice safety lesson thing. Like when you fall through or how yep. to, you know. So, pose. Yep, and that's on your guys' YouTube, right? Yeah, we have that on the um, American Outdoors with Mike Indicott. Yep. So that we've well, go American watch. American Outdoor Adventures. American I'll, Outdoor Adventures with Mike Indicott. And I'll make sure I'll link that below for everybody because it's easier to watch. Yeah. It needs to try to talk in an audio media to explain what to do if you're on bad ice. Yeah, Been T-pose. on bad ice. Yep. You know what T-pose is. That's the, the best thing. I've been on bad ice. I've fallen through. I've belly crawled all the way back. I don't like doing it. So. And see, that was the nice thing of having you out. Because like I said, you're the veteran. Whereas I've just been ice fishing for three years now. And to be honest with you, it scares me more than anything. Oh, it, it, it can't. And then no one. So some of the big hurdles getting into it. It's really scary. Yes, yes. It's just scary. No man should be holy enough to walk on water no matter what, right? Yeah, hard water. <laughs> and but that's still. There's good ice noises and bad ice noises. That's probably the biggest thing. We just took a group up uh, two weekends ago, ice fishing in Michigan, and they'd never been on. And we, uh, we were actually on a big lake, and the whole sheet we were on picked up probably about an inch. Wow. Because what happens is ice freezes from the bottom down, mm-hmm. so it gets more buoyant. And when you're on those great big huge lakes, that uh, the the whole sheet will jump. Yeah, spring up. And it's good. It's a good thing. But when but you're boing, boing, boing. but when you're sitting there and your chair's rocking and you're like, what was that? Uh, it's it can be very scary. Yeah. But then there's bad noise, you know. And uh, we did a good uh, thing on the video testing with a spud bar, listening for the sound. Solid sound. Yeah. I don't even really cut through anymore. Uh, yeah, with the spud bar all the way. I just I I can. I've been doing this for a while, though. By the sound, I'll tell what the ice is. You know your equipment yeah. well enough to where... And you, that takes a while to get like that. You know, yep. I would... I did that for probably the first five or six years of cutting. I'd be There'd be eight, nine inches of ice sitting there with that stupid spud bar banging into it to make sure it was eight or nine inches. Yep, no. I, I've learned that myself. Knowing your gear going out. Mm-hmm. And I know with my big, heavy spud bar, two wraps. Yeah. I don't need to break through. Two wraps, I can walk. And I use a pretty small spud bar because I got tired of wielding a big one around. Yeah, see, and that's the that's the veteran to the to the novice. I've always been told the heavier the better because, well, at least you know that if it's heavy and you've hit it as hard as you can, you've gone as deep as you can with one. Definitely guy. with uh, being new. That's yeah. definitely I would say if you can get a sixteen pound spud bar, get a sixteen pound spud bar. Yeah. I think the one I'm throwing right now is six. Yeah, no, <laughs> that is, you're not trying to hit and throw that all day. No, obviously. I yeah. Yeah, but some of those, like, I've seen guys, uh, I, I, we've been up on, like, Burt Lake stuff. Like, we go out 10, 15 miles sometimes ice fishing. Like, you can't see the shoreline. Wow, no, that's that'd be interesting. And we'll camp. We camp out there and stuff like that. You know, you go that distance. But there'll be guys that walk the whole way and test, and there'll be guys that are ripping across it in the Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> and, you know, you just... Send it. It depends. It definitely depends on where you are. But some of the earlier safety things to do, uh, or like good locations to start for Ohio, and I'll say this, the best lake to start probably any kind of angling, but ice fishing specifically, is Indian. Yeah, we have every resource one could possibly have for, you know, the best save your butt situations 
on the ice. Um, the Joint Fire District has both hovercraft and airboat. They are both um, very, I think we have three officers trained in cold water rescues, and they do a training seminar almost every year. Um, yeah, that we are in probably, and also most of the lake, if you fall through, just stand up. Yep. Literally, so I was 17 fishing Indian Lake. Uh, first pull off Long Island. Anybody that's local will know exactly where that was. Uh, big thing is, I would suggest, unless you're going where with a, an area with a lot of people, you make sure you know the area before you go ice fishing. Because lily pads, specifically, when they decompose, they produce a lot of a lot of methane and stuff, and that makes the ice really weak. Well, not just lily pads, even all the vegetation. Grass, yeah, all the... right now we have invasive coontail, mm-hmm. we have invasive curly something, and milfoil. Milfoil's about the worst. And it's all decomposing in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And last year we did have somebody, they were walking across up by Lucy's, and a group of them, one guy fell through. But like I said, thank God they had float suit on. Yep. All the guys knew what to do. There was, I mean, if you fall through the ice, you know what to do. You'll be they, good. They got out of there all right. Yeah, gonna have a cold day. That's about it. But we were on that first pull off, and I think I was seventeen. We we're all I was with a bunch of guys, and I think I was probably the oldest one. I think I drove everybody up, and a guy walks right over to where the lily pads start. Nobody else is fishing. Literally, it's first pull off Long Island. There's probably fifty guys out that day. Yep. And nobody's fishing over there. This one guy walks right over, just instantly falls through. And nobody's running over to help him. Uh, and he's, like, fighting, and he's kicking, and he's slamming the ice, and everybody's screaming at him to stand up. He's only in three foot of water, and he's going to drown. Stand up. Make he sure. was. He Put was, your feet underneath you yeah, first gosh, and foremost. dang it. He was going to kill himself. Oh, yeah. Because oh, he, yeah. was, he was going to, he was just banging, banging the ice, banging the ice, you know, breaking it. It's like, Stop. Yeah, it's just long. Stand up. stand up. As long as you're not in the channel, you're going to touch. Yeah. So I mean, you're right. You need to know definitely the yeah. area in which you're fishing. That is obviously the most important thing. And a really good thing about Indian, and we've talked about it off air a lot, is that if you're brand new to this, go fish kind of near somebody. You don't got to be right, buddy, Follow buddy. Follow humans. Some, yeah, but you can pull off on any of the Long Island spots and physically see people fishing. Yeah. And I personally say never trust somebody else's spud marks or anything like that. Always do it yourself. But if you fall through, at least there's somebody There's people around. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's the thing that I always preach if you're trying to get into ice fishing. And anglers and fishermen out there will hate to hear me say this. Follow somebody else. Yeah. If you're, I mean, just stay 10, 20 feet away from them. Well, exactly. But, you know, it, follow humans. Humans leave a very distinct path of where they go and where they don't go. So I always, I'm, I'm a pretty friendly person, but I've got, like in Michigan and stuff, I'll walk up. To somebody else fishing, like, hey, I'm going to fish over here, but that's okay. I just want to make sure because I'm by myself. Yeah. Specifically. Because yeah. uh, it gets a lot harder to get out by yourself. Oh, yeah. I'm but sure if, it does. If this guy knows X, you know, he's 20 yards away, but he knows I'm over here. So if he hears me shouting, yeah. he maybe will come help me. You know, it's. If he's nice, if he hasn't caught a bunch of fish that day. Mm-hmm. But that's Indian Lake. You know, Indian Lake's just for about everything, it's just a great place to learn. It is. It's an awesome place to learn. Summer spring fall whenever winter it's it's a good place and with lots and lots of resources and a vast variety of decent fish to go after everything from perch and bluegills sunfish to big flatheads channel cats even drum now yep saw guy white bass saw guy white bass crappie and they got about a little bit of everything uh, pickerel i've seen pickerel out of there yep that they're a lot of them got caught more in the spring of 2022 than I've ever seen. Yeah. They're bouncing back. Uh, Hence the weeds. <laughs> yeah. Exa- they're doing better. I love pickerel. 
Yeah, um, and a lot of people might have heard, you know, the the ongoings of the lake that the lake might have been shut down because of the weeds and the weeds how bad they were the last two years. Let me just put all that to rest. It's all rumors. Our lake did not get shut down. Somebody said it got shut down. You read it on Facebook. Oh, the right. lake is closed, and they'll start to spread that. No, they, you can't shut down public waters, can you? No. I mean, you, you can shut down. So the state can shut down the boat docks. Technically, they can shut down the boat ramps, but and you they can't can shut, shut down the water. No, because the water's butted up to people's private property. Yeah, like it's. I don't know. The only place that we found it bad, really bad, I guess, was the ski zone. Yes, the ski zone was horrible. I mean, literally, there was a little uh, little willow tree out there. Yeah. And it was like, geez. Well, did you know that that tree that was out there, that everybody said it was floating on a uh, hydroponic bog, was actually floating on a man-made piece of um, rubber that the <laughs> watershed had put out to put plants on. That was, I think there's one almost by every boat ramp. There's one there by Moundwood. That's but awesome. sometime in the spring, yeah. it had broken loose. And just floated it and floated got stuck out there. It floated out there and got stuck in the weeds, and then mm-hmm. more debris came up on top of it, and, you know, obviously a tree got planted somehow. But when you got over towards Old Lake and stuff like that, it was great. It was yeah. fine. Old Nothing. Lake's much darker water, yeah. much more current, much deeper. Even by Long Island, it wasn't too bad this year. No, no, no. And that's what... um. We've come to kind of realize where the weeds were heavy the year before, they, I assume, I think, they eat their nutrients out, and there's not enough nutrition there for them to keep that biomass so they don't grow in twice as heavy. Everybody I've talked to this year, this fall, and this winter says the weeds are nowhere near where they were last year at this yeah, time. Yeah, they'll naturalize. We can't find them. They'll naturalize. Everything does. It's the same thing with the grass carp. We, I used to do surveys in the Mississippi drainage. And, you know, when they first get into an area, they explode and they get super heavy and it's yep. insane. And As then five years invasive. later, yeah. And five years later, it's like, okay, they found, they fit in. Yeah. They, but, you know, they can't, they can't exist in the billions anymore. You know, it's. Exactly. Exactly. But Indian Lake's definitely a good one to learn on definitely. any of this stuff. And then for panfish, panfish oh, in general, it's, that's the easiest way to start learning. I mean, you just need, what, a few multicolored jigs. If that, I'd a be pack really of spikes, spikes, waxworms, and I'll tell you this: I learned this a long time ago. Don't ever buy your waxworms out of a refrigerator. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Why I, is that? So Mike from Mike's Bait and Tackle, he keeps them out and stuff like that. They last like ten times longer and they stay tougher. Yeah. When you put them in the fridge, they start dying, and they start decomposing. Oh, really? And they'll go bad quicker. I didn't know that one. Yeah, I still have waxworms in the kitchen from, well, from last time when I went ice fishing up. No, I know. I've always heard you take a waxworm, just sit them on the windowsill somewhere yep. cold and dark. They'll do just fine. But I also know every tackle shop I've been into, almost they keep them all in refrigerators. Mike's doesn't, and there's a couple we go up in Michigan that don't. Oh wow! And they last forever. Like I still got them, and it's like if the fridge ones, you know, they don't last a couple days. It feels like. Now, did you know if you go over to Indiana, they don't have waxworms; they have bee moths. Bean moth or bee moths? Bee moths. Yeah. Yeah, because we got some friends that come from Indiana to be like, got any of them bee moths? Bee moths, huh? We didn't know what the heck they were. It's waxworms. Yep. They turn into a little moth. Yep. Millworms turn into beetles. Yep. And spikes turn into flies. So, yeah, I mean, pan fishing is it's easy to get into. You don't need expensive equipment. You know, you, you can use a nine ninety nine Doc Demon from Walmart. Yeah. And a dollar jig from Mike's and, you know, you get... What do you get? Two hundred waxworms for like ten bucks? Yeah, yeah, it's so, cheap. Yeah, you can fish all day on a big bin of waxworms. But some of my favorite colors, the jig heads. I don't know. I I love Wonder Bread. 
I love... Well, a, what fish doesn't love uh, Wonder Bread? Yeah. I love a dark purple with green or chartreuse dotting. Yep. And I love a white with pink. See, yep. I'm, me, I'm green and orange 99% of the time. I, I just... Imitation of perch and perch fry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got Indian Lake exploded with perch in the last two years because all the weeds, mm-hmm. the good benefits of weeds again. But uh, they exploded with perch. And I everything is, I try to keep it as green chartreuse, green orange, you know, in that little, that niche. I find about anything will hit on that. Chartreuse is like the color for fishing, it feels like. Yeah. Whether it's not the main body color, but a little bit of speckling, that, that neon green really just seems to... It's, the pop. It's natural attractant. It's, uh, but I love, I don't know. I, I always almost always start with a white with either a red or a pink belly. Yeah. I don't know why. Just what I always go to. Red seems to do really well in winter. And I have never figured that out because I was always under the impression that fish don't see red. So they don't see like we see red. Have you ever seen like the, there's a YouTube video. I can't remember what it's called, but they take a bunch of PVC colored pipes yeah. and go deeper and deeper and it changes color. No, I haven't seen that myself, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so there's some really cool YouTube videos where they literally take it and they show you five feet, ten feet, and stuff like that. So red turns green after well, okay. a certain spot. Well, at least to our eyes. Yeah. So it's a different color to them too. Huh. So like blues and purples, that's why you almost see never see any lures. They're yeah. blues and purple because they're they pretty much turn black. Yeah. So they don't. It just looks like a piece of dirt or a piece of debris. It's, you know, how many bait fish can you think of that are black? None. I I, I mean, mean bullhead minnow or bull, bullhead, what, baby bullhead catfish or black uh, whatever they call them big big head minnows that's what they are fat head minnows fat head minnows yeah they turn they're like black that, on the back but even one, the bellies are silver yeah so that blue and purple turns super dark right even if they are that purple or black they have chartreuse on them to still give them color yeah but yeah the red turns I think it turns green and orange turns like white it's weird. Nice. It's weird. It's it's something really neat to see because of the light spectrum starts changing the deeper you go. Yeah, and uh, well, I know because fishermen are dead set if they don't have red spikes. Sometimes they just don't even. It's not worth it. I ain't got red spikes. Oh gosh! So there's a place called Frank's Great Outdoors in Michigan. If anybody is ever out there, it's just by uh, Saginaw Bay. If you if you're just any kind of fisherman, it's all seasonal. Frank's is like a small Walmart sized building. And it's a hundred percent seasonal fishing stuff. Awesome. So whatever's in is what's uh, what you, what's being used. Yeah. In their bait section, you would not believe the colors of spikes, the colors of waxworms, colors of millworms, aquatic insects. They actually use macrophytes and stuff like that, big beetles. And it's like, geez. And some guys will just hoot and holler, I only catch them on these. Yeah, only red. Only get it on red. You got to have red. It's like, first off, they're panfish. But they only like red. Yeah. And I, I'll agree, there are days where they are picky, but yeah. they're panfish. They don't want no Mick, Mick spike. <laughs> it's got to be the Burger King spike, not the big spike. <laughs> uh, a good lake to start in Michigan would be probably Holden. It's very similar to Indian. It's a big, shallow lake. Uh, it's a lot bigger than Indian. Probably not in uh, shoreline. Indian's got a pretty high... I'm trying. We to got remember. a lot of shoreline. Yeah. All the islands, all the channels. All the, a lot of structure up yeah. by that's that's kind of what also makes it a great fishery. But Holden's in a similar body st- or lake style, a big shallow a weed bed lake, sandbar lake. You know, what part of Michigan is that located? Uh, you hold up your hand. Well, yeah, you got the mitten. Yep, right there. Oh, so kind of right in the middle. Middle, right below your middle finger. 
So it's kind of a nice spot because it's not too far up. It's not, you know, but shallow freeze is pretty good. You'll see people drive trucks out there. Nice. Uh, there's pizza delivery on the ice. There's bait shops on the ice. I did that this year. Ordered, <laughs> ordered a pizza to the park place I was parked. Oh, they'll come out to you. Oh, really? They'll come. Yeah, they have like little uh, like uh, four wheelers and side by sides. Oh, that's nice. They didn't come out to me this year. I, they just went to the they went to where the car was parked. Burt Lake is a whole. That's my favorite lake. It's the hardest lake you'll ever fish in your life, but when you get stuff out of it, it's super rewarding. My adopted brother Michael. He got one walleye out of it, just randomly, in 110 feet of water, right in the bottom, fishing for sturgeon. Wow. Out of nowhere. He's like, I thought, I, he's like, using really big gear for sturgeon. Hook something, starts reeling. And it was a walleye. It's just like, we weren't expecting a walleye that deep. Yeah. We were burbot and sturgeon, but it is huge. 110 feet of water? Oh, no. It gets like four or five. Yeah, see, I wouldn't want to fish on 110 feet of water. Oh, yeah, it gets I'm really not doing deep. That. Mullet and Burt get super deep. They get 150, 160, but there, I know guys that go out in Lake Michigan, they'll go right off the shelf and fish five, six, seven hundred feet of water. Heck yeah. Well, how's Michigan doing this winter on ice? It's rough. Everywhere it's rough. I mean, yeah, this this is not, if you're looking to get into ice fishing, it's a bad went, year. If you went out and bought everything and during 2022 thinking, yeah, 2022, 2023 season, I'm going to go out and I'm going to learn to ice fish, I'm sorry. It's, I really am sorry for you. It's a bad year. It's a it's a bad year for ice fishing in general. I mean, Ohio doesn't normally get very blessed anymore anyways, but No, but at least Midway Michigan, we get something. Midway Michigan normally has good ice by Christmas and this year I went up uh January 6th and it was sketchy. Yeah. I mean, if I if I wasn't confident in my abilities, I wouldn't have gone on it. Like it was yeah. we were right at 3 inches on a lot of places. And 3 in quote unquote, there's no such thing as safe ice. But three inches of clear ice is what most DNRs say is single fishable file ice. walking. Yeah. Don't stand. Don't jump. Don't. Yeah. Single file. Ten feet apart. Yeah. You got to have four inches before you can hold hands and gather. <laughs> it's, it's it was it's bad year. I mean, Burt Lake, they're just starting. They, so this we're recording this officially the, the first day of February, right? Yeah, I think so. So this, this past weekend was the uh, Mullet Lake. Or Black Lake. It was Black Lake's Sturgeon Tournament, and they almost canceled it. Yeah, you're telling about that first time in how long? It's like 50, 60 years. Gee, many Christmas. It's like, and that's saying something, because those guys, It's the only. there's only one weekend a year you can keep sturgeon at a Black Lake. There's only one weekend, and you there's six allowed to be taken. Six fish total for total. the whole lake? So there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out there fishing for them. And the and, first six fish get it. Yeah, so the DNR, and it, like I think last year's seven was harvested. So basically... Whenever the six fish lands on the ice, they say everybody's lines out of the water. If you have a sturgeon hooked and you're still fighting with it, you're allowed to keep that one. Nice. So nice. sometimes they get it like seven or eight, even though they're allowed to have quote unquote six. Hundreds of DNR officers. It's fun though. It's a ball. Now why why are people wanting to keep sturgeon? What's the main? I know they're they really, got caviar. Ah, uh, that I, was I don't say like that's caviar. not the same. They taste really good. Really? Yeah. And I don't. I wouldn't eat them. Uh, I've had. I've tried them before, but I wouldn't harvest one. Fish that lives longer than me, I don't feel right about. No, that's the kind of where I'm at. I don't eat fish. I don't eat any fish at all. Oh, there's hundreds of pounds of fish in this house. But any fish that lives longer than me, I'm kind of like, ah. Yeah, let's let it live. But I've had sturgeon come up in the ice holes, like when you're fishing, and look in through it to see and stuff. Like, real curious animals. Yeah, yeah. I got a video of one of them on my Vexlar of it trying to eat the camera. <laughs> Just sitting there in an 80-foot of seen water a lot of chewing video on it. Where, yeah, they're, they're inquisitive. They're very smart. Yeah. I mean, you get so big, you just... 
Not scared of anything anymore. Well, yeah. That's What's exactly. eating a six foot sturgeon down the bottom of the lake? Yeah. Big fish or smart fish. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets to be above 20 pounds without being somewhat smart. But Holden Lake is, uh, back to that, is another one similar to Indian. So many people fish. The pull-offs are parking. They, have, they set up these things. It's kind of, you ever heard anybody talk about a tip-up town? Not necessarily, but I can get the gist of it. From but literally, that's what it is. Hundreds of people, they set up beer tents out there sometimes. Yep. Sit uh, around, drink, and just watch tip-ups. Yep. It's it's a ball. Sounds uh, like minefield. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many pike live. I don't know how pike still live in that lake. <laughs> There'll be thousands of tip-ups. Wow. Uh, but no, so that's a good lake to start because you can see people. And like in, like you're saying with Indian, they have all the safety stuff because, you know, they're dealing some of the big weekends in you know February, they'll have thousands of people ice fishing Holden Lake. Oh, yeah. I mean, Indian Lake's the millionaire's playground, the oh, resort yeah. place to go. And it's it's. I don't know why they call it this, but it is. It's it's the place where everybody wants to gather during the summer, and they also want to get out there first thing in the winter and get the snowmobiles out and four-wheelers out. And we normally, that's what we're doing right now, but not now. Not it, this year. It's weird. Even, I mean, we don't have snow. We got less than an inch of ice right now, and, and that was just in the last 24 hours. I mean, Ohio is known for bad, bad winters, at least cold winters. Oh, yeah. And we just have it. I mean, what do we have that one, two days? Christmas. Well, it was Christmas was really cold. And that was the first time we'd been out on ice. So, yeah. Um, right after Christmas, we went we out. We got those two days of Sub-Zero. I was actually out on the ice through that Sub-Zero um, doing ice checks. That's something else. If you guys, if you're on Facebook, you can jump into Indian Lake Fishing Reports. And when we get ice, I go around and show everybody where the ice is and what's the thickness is. And It's a very great service. Yeah, because nobody wants to drive two and a half, three hours to get to the place and then realize... A, I got three hours invested and a couple hundred bucks invested, and I only have two inches of ice. Do I risk it and go out because I got the investment time, or do I just cut my losses and go home? 90% of us, we're going to risk it and go out. But had I known two inches of ice was in most places before I drove all that way and spent all that money, probably would have said I'll wait for a couple more days. <laughs> And that's it. You do a great service. It's it's definitely appreciated in Ada, Ohio, but and you're only 25 minutes, well, 45 minutes away. Yeah, I would still go up and check, but it's nice. And I look and like, okay, he was out at Moundwood or whatever, and yep. that's what Moundwood had, and it gives me a good idea to start. I like to take. I do it every year. I take anybody that wants to go out and learn. I'll take the small groups out, uh, but it's nice because I can be like, okay, Indian's good, or yeah, uh, yeah, and met, that was awesome that you did that this year and brought them all. Oh, all that those was guys out. they had a ball. Kids uh, loved it. Oh, yeah. That was fun. The guys loved it. I mm-hmm. know I had a good old time, even though I didn't catch any fish. And like I always say, I don't catch fish to begin with. But <laughs> I, I enjoy the act of fishing. So that I was that was an awesome treat for me, man. Oh, it, I have a ball with Because it's like we talked about earlier. It's scary to get into it. And I remember my dad obviously helped me and stuff. But he his dad passed away. And he was the ice fisherman. So we didn't know what we were doing. You well, know, yeah, there's, scary. Oh, how many people you know that learned how to fish on their own? Yeah. Nobody. And then. Ice fishing is another thing to try to learn with nobody telling you. Yeah, it's that not. This possible. is good ice. This is bad ice. Well, we did, but it was scary, I and mean, that's how you fall through, and that's how you know. Well, nowadays, you know, even when I started just fishing in Indian Lake, we didn't have these smartphones in our hands. Oh yeah. But nowadays, you know, we can look up almost anything. YouTube everything. YouTube everything, and I link up a bunch of YouTubes to the group yeah. and everything. But uh, I didn't use a smartphone until 2016. So before that, and I wasn't even ice fishing. Before that, but before that, anything that I wanted to look up or whatnot, I had a flip phone 
trying to look it up on Facebook or the internet that way because I also don't use computers. But yeah, ever since uh, I picked up that smartphone, I realized if you want to learn something, just got to ask. There's, yeah. there's resources out there to learn everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but, Google it. Yep. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some location selection. Because okay. I'm, I get hyper obsessed. I every year I try to fish two new lakes up in Michigan. Ohio only we only have X number of lakes, and you know if we're lucky if any of them have fishable ice. Yeah, we may get six weeks. If yeah. we get six to eight weeks, that's a bomb season. Oh gosh, if we had oh, six wait, weeks, can we say that? Yeah, it's all good. You can't say hit anymore on Facebook. You can't say the saw guy hit a hit stick. Oh, this is this is all good. As long as you don't say the Ovid. Oh, okay. Like that's really the only thing that people are getting taken down for. Not to be confused with avoids. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, I do topo maps. So and Ohio does it okay. In or Michigan does it a lot better. Where the state, the DNR, has a topo map of every public lake. It shows you the depth yep. and everything. And it shows you. So we're specifically we're targeting panfish and and pike. That's what we do most of the time. I set tip ups for pike, and I set the shanty and fish for panfish. Because uh, like we talked about, panfish hit off it. Yeah. You can catch them. So while you're sitting there waiting, maybe hours for a pike bite, you can sit there and have jig, a whole jig, bucket jig. of panfish. Uh, and Michigan also has limits on panfish. That's why their panfish is a lot better. I have opinions on the not the DNR officers or anything like that. The DNR headquarters. Well, of course, we never blame the officers. They're no. just they're, they're just soldiers. guys. They're, they're just guys. Exactly. They're doing a job. But I used to work with the DNR up, you know, the office, and I used to butt heads with those guys all the time. Because nobody wants, nobody up that level really wants to change anything. Well, no, it's it's too much to change. Yes. Oh gosh. It's too much to instruct and manage and train. Oh and, my gosh. I mean, if you're the one at the top and you can just say, "Hey, just leave things the way it is," mm-hmm. or you actually got to start boat. doing work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the guy at the top. I I, I got here because I don't I already did the work. I don't want to rock the boat anymore. But yeah, so Michigan has limits on most of their pan fish and stuff like that, and, and that's shocking. And it's great. But the, the so you don't see people taking those dinks, yeah, like Indian Lake, and you eat whatever you're going to eat. But I've seen people take four inch bluegill, going to say they're going to clean them. Oh, I know it. And I it's know like, it. what are you doing? And I see flathead fishermen taking nine inch bluegills by thirties and forties of them, saying, "Oh, we need all this for one night's oh, worth." Oh gosh, of it's like really, but they have limits and all that stuff, which makes the fishing a lot better. And the DNR officers in Michigan, too. I've, I know both the ones in our county with our cabin. They're super nice guys. Uh, but they're all. Fr- I've never had a bad experience with the DNR in Michigan. But the limits are there. Uh, anyway, so you start with the topo map. They do really good topos. I really love picking a ridge or a hump. And if you can find it. So let's say the lake that max depth is 40 feet. That's a lot of Michigan lakes. Most of them, you know, they got a hole somewhere. Indians is like 15. Well, no, no. 22, according the, to the RLS survey, that's one little spot. Three, the dredge hole? No, it's not a dredge hole. It's three foot, and it's either thought to be a well that was there before Indian Lake or Lewistown Reserve was made, or maybe possibly something worse off. Oh. Or I was thinking of spring. Well, no, there, we, we have springs that's on the north side, but it, it's something. I don't think it's, it's a hole. It's just a hole. It's just a hole because if it's a sinkhole, I think we'd be draining. and we'd um, be, we, you'd be at, We'd be out of water. Well, we don't know. We need a hydrological study for that. <laughs> but no, you, so you spend a lot of time researching yeah. where you're going to go. Well, because some of these lakes, you know, from where I'm sitting are five, six, seven hours away. And I'll already have six or seven spots picked out. 
So I don't set anything up until like I'll drill a bunch of holes and we'll pan, you know, especially for panfish, we'll dip them out and I won't set anything up until we start catching a couple fish out of a hole. And my rule of thumb is you got to give a hole 15 minutes after you drill it. Panfish don't really care as much, but other fish, you know, you got to think uh, for everybody at home when you cut a hole, especially with a gas or an electric auger, you're sitting there rocking that whole ice sheet. Yep. That's putting so many pressure waves below you. It, yeah, it's it feels weird to a fish. They're just going to take off, or they're going to be uneasy. It's like rolling down your windows halfway in a fish yeah, while you're that, driving whoop, fifty-five whoop, whoop, mile whoop, whoop. an hour. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it makes them it makes them especially you know bigger game pike, walleye, saw guy. The bigger of any fish yeah. species, they're going to run. Yeah, I mean you don't get like you said earlier, you don't get big being dumb. Nope, not at all. So I'll have a couple of these spots. If so, let's say the lake's forty feet. If I can find a hump that gets like ten to nine foot. And has a quick drop offs on all the sides. That's where I'll go fish right off the bat. I guess right on top of the hump. Right on top of the hump for pan fish, and then the edges of the hump, working deeper, is where you fish for your predators. What predators do is they'll wait in the deep water and they'll swing up and try to surprise the small fish. Yep. And grab food. So when you're setting your tip ups up or whatever, that's where you put them because they're gonna find they're gonna run into your minnows. Yep. Right on the way up. But yeah, uh, p- points are really good too. I really love fishing points, but it's. Kind of like points a hump. are one of my favorite because you can always you always know there's going to be a current or a draw mm-hmm. or something around a point. The the water is going to have to move around a point. Points, like so, I already have three or four spots picked out, especially if it's a bigger lake because you're moving around. Yeah, uh, and then don't leave fish. No, I'll say that if you don't see guys, you, you don't hop around. If you, you don't leave fish. If you're catching fish, stay there. Exactly, exactly. Or even if you're just seeing lots of fish. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you got your Vexler or whatnot, if you're seeing lots of fish, don't leave. There's a reason why they're not biting yet. Just wait it out. So are you a flasher man or a cameraman? No. Electronics, bad. Uh, Personal feelings. And that's actually, I wrote a little bit about this in february's edition of the angler magazine oh wait it's out today i didn't even look it up but um i had the article in angler magazine that comes out today awesome is about electronics versus no electronics and i am a no electronics guy a no boat guy walk the banks with a fishing rod live bait that's 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 my niche that's now i'm not saying i do that all the time but that's where i excel is on the banks with a rod live bait no boat no electronics see i I love the camera. I will never go back to not having a camera. I've tried the flasher stuff, but I hate it. Because a flasher can just tell you there's fish down there. It doesn't tell you it's what they are. It's just lines. Yeah. Like Indian Lake, you can have gizzard shad under you. Oh, when yeah. We were sitting there fishing with those guys. We had gizzard, big schools of gizzard shad. Big shad'd schools of gizzard. Keep passing under us. If you're just sitting there with a flasher. You're like, oh, all these crappie just passed. Yep. You don't know what it is. Yeah. Camera. And then with the camera, you can see how fish are reacting, the colors. I just think it's specifically for ice fishing. The camera when you're trying to get fish like that, you can change baits out quicker. Like yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a tool, and I even hit on that. It's addictive. It's addictive though. In the in the article, it's it's a tool, and it's about what each individual angler wants to get out of their own time. For me, I want to get the most out of my time relaxing. Yes. For other fishermen, they want to get the most out of their time catching or putting sustenance on the Mm -hmm. table or whatever it is. We all fish for other reasons, so. Yeah, I've seen a lot of guys will focus in on that screen. And whether it's a flasher or pan optics or whatever it is, they'll sit there and they'll focus on that rather than focusing on their jigging. 
or rather than just being observant, being observant is my biggest rule. Number one in my fishing world is observe everything, not through a screen though, <laughs> observe with your own two eyes, take in the sounds, the, you know, the, the, the ripples on the water, or even, you know, the, the lunges and the ice, wherever, whatever it is, you take it all in and then you can put that together in like a virtual 3d model inside your head. And then you can imagine I'm a fish. I'm going to go swimming around. Where do I want to hang out by? And what tells me at first in the winter, it's cold. I want to be by structure mm-hmm. where warm wood or warm metal is going to get heat from the sun. Or I'm like you said, I want to be kind of up in the, you know, the flattier area where it's not much warmer, but the surface top of the water is warmer than the bottom of the water. Cold, mm-hmm. everything falls and hot, everything rises. Hot air rises, hot water rises. So pan fishing is, you know, it's one of those all around good things to get into. And no, I don't never approach <laughs> anything with electronics. I, I will never go back to not having a camera. It's too addictive. Half the time, we don't even fish out of the shanty anymore. But we put the camera down so we'll watch the fish go by. Yeah, I've seen that. It was it was actually pretty cool seeing your camera set up. Yeah, I just I just like it. Uh, but I like in Michigan, I run a lot of tip-ups. I'm a big pike fisherman in the ice. So most of the time I only be fishing in the, sh- the shanty, but it's just fun to watch all the all the fish go by and stuff like that. So you talking about all these fish you caught on the ice, and I I've got bluegill, crappie, perch. That's it. I've only caught three fish under ice in three years. Bluegill, crappie. Oh gosh, perch. we've caught well I mean, sunfish, but that's bluegill yeah. There's to me. there's Brim, a, there's a lot of types of sunfish. There's a lot of sunfish bait. species. Uh, yeah, bait. It's all bait beautiful fish. bait. Yes, but uh, no. Let's see. I've never landed a sturgeon on the ice. We've hooked a bunch of them, though. Uh, a lot of burbot, walleye, saw guy, pike. We've hooked a muskie on the ice. Didn't get it landed. Crappie. We we do a lot of crappie, so we'll actually put a light out at night for the crappie. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, do you find that light that light that that light actually works better for just crappie or for all fishing in general? Crappie specifically, and white crappie specific, or no, black crappie specifically. So. The main difference, black crappie and white crappie look very similar on the outside. Their internals are very different. So black crappie, or you almost find no black crappie down south of the water. It gets muddy, but you get giant white crappie. White crappie have a much more developed lateral line. Okay. So they hunt more off of feeling. White or black crappie have a much more developed uh, cone rods in their eyes. Yep. So they hunt off a of sight. Yep. So in, when we're in Michigan, you have a lot more black crappie. Uh but here's the thing with the light is you have to plug it in. Let's say it gets dark at 6 o'clock. you got to have mean, it plugged in for a while. Before it gets dark. Yeah, you can't just drop a bright light down so in the dark. What happens is the zooplankton, the phytoplankton, if they're up at the top of the ice mm-hmm. you know, while the sun's out, and as the sun goes down, they start going back down. They start dispersing. But if you wait for it to get dark, put that in, it's going to take forever for the zooplankton to get back to you. Yep. So if you plug it in and let's say it gets dark at six, you plug it in at four thirty, run it for an hour and a half before it's even dark. You're not gaining zooplankton, but you're not losing the ones around the light. No, they're just kind of chilling yeah, there. So that tracks the minnow and stuff like that. Uh, we fish for smelt through the ice up in Michigan. Nice. And those are teeny tiny, yeah. right? And but your your limit's a two gallon bucket. You ever use a Takari rod? Yeah. Nice, nice. See, uh, that's for probably most people won't even know what the t- those are. I did. We use the big ferry rigs and stuff yeah. like that. We'll get them. We actually buy them out of Florida. Yeah. We bring them up for the smelt. There's lots of cool stuff coming out of Japan for ice fishing. Oh, yeah. Little Takaris and stuff like that. And I've seen a couple documentaries where they're the line they're fishing with. It's not nothing. Even, it's not even one pound test. It's but bread. every once in a while you're smelt fishing, you have a lake trout come through and just ruin everything. Oh, yeah, I bet. And, you know, it's funny, but 
Yeah. So when you're pan fishing, and you're you said you know you're using your specific colors and everything. Do you find spikes or waxies? I personally, I'm a wax waxy person. It's just I'm not saying I love spikes too. I always buy both. Uh, some days it seems like they're only eating the waxy. Some days they only eat the spikes. Some days they don't care. Some days they only eat plastic. Yeah. It happens. It, I mean, it's the way of the fish. It is. Uh, personally, if I had to pick one, if I'm only going out with one, I'm always going to go with a wax worm. Nice. I think it's got more flavor. Uh, it's got, so, it, most people- Have you tried them, though? I haven't eaten them, but most people, uh, the fatty acids in them are really seem similar to peanuts, yeah. peanut butter. So, they have a really strong smell in They're the water. in protein, too. Yeah. I'd eat them if I had to. Uh, there's actually a millworm farm in the other room uh, where that feeds the fish. Nice, nice. Uh but I think they just have a lot better of a smell and a carrying and that stuff, and they're bigger. I just like them better. Spikes, you know, if you pop a spike when you're putting on the hook, it's pretty much ruined. Yeah, it's just a wet sock. Yeah, thing. and then nothing hits them. Once the guts are out of them, they're they're done. Yep, yep. Uh, but that's just my opinion. What are you? I'm I'm a 99% spikes guy in the winter. Um, obviously, with this winter, we didn't really have a whole lot of them, and our spikes sell out fast in Indian Lake. Oh, yeah. But um, I do find that... Even in the spring, spikes will work better, and I don't know why. I'm, I'm a pop it. I always pop my spikes just because I feel it puts more goo yeah. into the water. But then I'm also rebaiting all the time. So it is two spikes, throw it out. If you catch a fish, you got to rebate. Or if it just got hit, more than likely they got your bait. So it's not efficient by any means. But I think spikes do produce they do produce a better quality of fish for and There are bait. people that swear by them, yep. and there's people that swear by wax worms. I think they both work great. Oh, I yeah. Mean, Everybody has their preference. I'm just saying, if I had to pick one, I'm going a wax worm, but I always buy both spikes and wax worms every time I go up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just, you never know. I, I'm but, bad at that. I buy spikes, oh, yeah. wax worm, minnows, red worms, earthworms. Mm-hmm. Walk up, I'm gonna fish for an hour. I got four hundred pieces of bait. You should see <laughs> you should see the cooler we take out for burbot and ice uh, ice fishing for bait. Oh yeah. Because we're using suckers and stuff that are sometimes uh our biggest one I've ever used for bait was ten inches long. Full whole bait? Yeah. Live bait? Yeah. Big nice. ten inch sucker. And it got swallowed up by a sturgeon. I knew it was a sturgeon the second because I was so I was so mad because it was on a burbot line. We're in like eighty foot of water. And burbot aren't very active predators, but they'll suck it down. They'll just kind of sit there. But this thing is just ripping out line like a truck rolling down a hill. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, we're about to lose all this line. And they don't even know they're hooked. They have no nerve endings in their mouth because uh, they eat, like, crustaceans and stuff, so they crush them up. So you saw all kinds of stuff poking them and jabbing well, don't, them. Like, surgeon, they have that, like, sucker mouth they that have, sucks that, it up, but then they got they crass. Have, they have their crushing teeth in the yeah. back of their throat. So, so they that when suck you get, it up and they crush it. Yeah, so when they get hooked in the fleshy lips, though, they don't, they don't feel it. They yeah. don't care. Like, if you get a sturgeon to run, you got to really put some force in behind them. And they just kind of just keep going. But, yeah, I don't know. if, And I don't use a lot of minis. I know a lot of guys swear by the minnows through the ice. Minnow heads on a treble hook. I'll use sweet. that. If I ever buy minnows, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, most of Just for the flavor. Use them on the head on a treble hook under a pimple or a vibe. Especially for walleye and, and saw guy and, and even crappie. See, I talk about this stuff like I know how to do it, and I've never even <laughs> caught one. I just study it. <laughs> but no, it's it's you're right. Uh, but I know guys that swear by using whole live minnows and stuff like. That. Yeah. It, I don't think it works. I've tried it. I've put them. On, I've ran walleye and perch tip ups. 
I personally don't think any ice fishing works that you guys all just bring your fish with you and then brag about it. Yeah, that happens. Like, like I, these are the fish I caught in summer. Well, they're frozen, so I'm gonna it doesn't matter. I'm going to throw them on the ice and say, yeah. here, I caught all these because I've never had a great day on ice. Oh, gosh. It, Ohio, you just don't get as much time to really work a spot and stuff like that. Michigan, for ice fishing, like you can fish the same lake, you know, months. Yeah. And really get on them. Uh, but like, there's some Create lakes. Create a pattern, yeah. follow them. When you go up to like Torch Lake and stuff, like the little lakes around Torch Lake, you can leave with a full limit of perch and they're all nine inches, 10 inches and monsters. Uh, that's what, definitely follow the crowd for them because it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. When you that see a, bu- you see a bunch is of a crowd, crowd pleasing. Yeah. When you see a bunch of people sitting in one spot, there's probably a reason. Yeah. Uh, we see, well, we've seen that that day that we were out on uh, Long Island. Oh, yeah. About 50 yards up in front of us, you had lines of mm-hmm. people. They were just sitting in lines all facing the uh, north side, northeast side of the lake, just sitting there. It's like, I wonder what's happening there. And then they come back, well, of course, there's crappie over there. Yeah. Crappie feeding off the the whatever weed beds or whatever there. But, yeah. No, yeah, that was my foot. Oh, it's like, what was that? Ow, and that was my head. (laughs) (laughs) That was my foot, and that was my head. You got anything left on your eye? Oh, one more thing I got. It's just bad ice. Uh, This is my PSA. Yeah, let's, let's, there is a when, lot of things to be careful of, too. Yeah. Ice, when you hear somebody say three inches of ice uh, is walkable or fishable for a single person, that's three inches of clear ice, no bubbles. Like you see through the ice like and glass. it black underneath. Yeah. Or, yeah, no bubbles, no white. If your ice is white. That's snow. That's just hard snow. Exactly. Or it's just a bunch of air caught yeah. in what would be ice. That's nothing. So, and I see people measure it and be like, I got seven inches of ice and stuff like that. No, you got two inches of ice yeah. and five inches of snow. Yeah. No, thank you. That's yeah, a wet you gotta, fisherman. You have to, have to, have to educate yourself. Yes. Um, spend more time. And I, 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 I admit this in my group. I spend more time out walking on the ice and stabbing the ice and learning and getting my ice feet than I actually spend fishing. At yeah. least at this point. I mean, I'm only three years into it. Right. It's definitely, especially... Well, Ice can be really bad. Like, when you go up to, like, northern Michigan and stuff like that, and it's 27 inches of ice, and you see RVs and stuff parked on the ice, you really don't got to check. But when you're here, and you're on these in lower Michigan and stuff like that, it can go bad really quick. Well, yeah. I mean, even on 27 inches of ice, I, that, we've seen videos of cars driving into, you know, falling that, through. That's happened so, twice on Holden already. Yeah, even if you have a lot of ice, you cannot... It can change. You can't see the feet. density structure of the ice crystals. Yeah. I mean, ice crystals. We all like you. Well, you said in one of your other podcasts, bismuth crystals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh the, yes. The way they spread and grow, yep. they interlock. Mm-hmm. So, and you can only tell what the interlockings look like on the top layer. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you got twenty-eight inches of ice, and let's just say the top five look like crap, if the rest of the twenty-seven look like crap or whatever, twenty-three mm-hmm. look like crap. I don't care if there's 28 inches of ice. It's not good ice. It's not good ice. Probably shouldn't be out there. And 20 minutes of rain, of any kind of rain, will ruin ice. Oh, yeah. But we fished on ice up with water sitting on top of it, and it's fine. Well, as long as the water's sitting on top. Yeah. I mean, that's how you know you're solid still. But if it's raining... And you don't see water pooling up on top? Even if it's at all, I won't go out after it rains. Because what it causes, it causes that, that hexagonal shape mm-hmm. to start forming in those crystals, and they'll just punch out. Honeycombed. Yep. Yep. It's it's just, <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> just the way you're looking at that. No, it's 4-H. Oh, well, that ain't bad. 
No, it's emails about 4-H. Fun, fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The poultry kids. Poultry kids. Do you got anything else on your list? No. No, not really. I think that's been it's been a heck of a good one. Well, I guess we should always end it with, uh, hey, if you like what you hear, link up with uh, Indian Lake Fishing Reports, link up with uh, Everything Angler, and uh, big shout-out, big thanks to Jay, Justin here. <laughs> Jay, Justin here. Sorry, bub. That's big shout-out okay. to Justin for uh, pitching in and doing this for me, man. That was something oh, I'm it's going to be a ball. Do. This oh, is I awesome. I think so, because I think we'll, we'll jive very well It's It's been fun, this first one. Okay, guys, have a good weekend. Toodles, y'all. Tight lines. And solid hook sets. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a five-star review. And please, share it to a friend that would enjoy and leave a comment. 